Cool. How's everyone? How's everyone doing tonight? Good. Yeah. 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 Awesome. All right. So today, um, it's not really a sermon because I I intended for this to be kind of like a seminar, um, but I realized I didn't really give you guys any handouts. <laughs> and and then as I write as I started writing it, it turned more into like a sermon. So we'll call it a seminar. <laughs> it's a seminar. Sermon slash seminar. All right. Um, the reason I can't really call it a sermon is because um, I I have a main text from the Bible, but we're I I, I kind of want to make this like a like a teaching, and um, I'm, I get a lot of this teaching from a book that I read, and uh, some of you guys have probably heard me talk about this in the past, but um, there's a lot of gold in here, but I want to kind of teach it to you first, and then I kind of want to reframe it within the context of uh, the gospel and the Bible. And how it can apply to your lives. So, uh, to start, um, I want to just kind of read the, the main verse. It comes from actually three different places within the Bible. So pick one, James 4, 6, or 1 Peter 5, 5. Um, and it says, God opposes the proud but shows favor or grace to the humble. And they both actually re- uh, reference Proverbs three thirty four, which it kind of uh, says it a little differently. But it says, he mocks proud mockers but gives grace to the humble. So God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. It's kind of like our main idea. But um, I want to start by asking you some questions, okay? So you guys can kind of participate here. But uh, let me get a show of hands. Who here is good at math? Just answer the question. Raise your hand if you think you're good at math. Okay, very good. No, none of our engineers raised their hands. <laughs> they've seen real math and they've been humbled. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, I can do addition. <laughs> okay, uh, anyone here musical? Okay, what's that? What's that thing you say like umchi or something? Is that right? Like when oh, yeah. if you can't umchi, are you umchi? Anyone here umchi? <laughs> Hands went up with a quickness. Okay, uh, what's the other one? The when you're bad with directions, kilchi. Any kilchi people here? Kilchi, just one. Who's good with directions? Okay, all right. Everyone's kind of like divided on their. You know, like, I'm good at this or I'm bad at this. What about IQ? Okay, don't raise your hands. I don't, <laughs> don't tell me if you have high or low IQ. Um, that can really, you know, touch on people's hearts. But um, <laughs> uh, just an example, all right? Rhetorical question. What about artists? Any artists in here? No artists. Okay, let me ask you a question. Are artists born or made? Give you like two seconds to think about it. Raise your hand if you think they're born. One, two, three, four. Raise your hand if you think they're made. One, two. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Where are my prophetic people at? Anyone here prophetic? Like, you know, you consider yourself prophetic? No? no nobody? <laughs> okay. Um, Sumi? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, cool. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Let me ask you one more question. Do people change? Okay, I'll give you a couple of seconds to think about it. Do people change? Raise your hand if you think people change. One, two, three, four, five, six. Everyone, okay, good. All right, so I guess my follow-up question to that was, can people change? And I guess since you all said, do people change? Yes, you agreed, then therefore you believe people can change. All right, good. Now I want to start, or I want to continue with a story, okay? Uh, it's a very, very paraphrased story, but um, it's about a basketball player. Uh, he grew up, thinking or was told and believing that he didn't have any natural talent in basketball. 
Okay. Um, in high school, he tried out for the varsity team and he got cut from his team. Okay. He didn't make the team. Uh, in college, he, he ended up uh, going to college to play basketball, but the college that he wanted to play for didn't take him. He wasn't able to make the team. And eventually, he made it to the NBA, but he wasn't drafted by the first two teams that could have chosen him. And, you know, eventually went on and continued his career. Now, this doesn't sound like the most talented of basketball players. But before I tell you who it is, let me just give you some quotes from this person. He says, I failed over and over and over again in my life, and that is why I succeeded. He's also credited to say, obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it, go through it, or work around it. He also says, I can accept failure. Everyone fails at something, but I can't accept not trying. And this is like one of his most famous comes from one of the Nike ads. It says, um, you know, it's like dramatic, black and white, and, and then he's like talking in his like deep voice, I've missed more than 9,000 shots. You know, continues, I've lost almost 300 games. 26 times I've been trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. Do you guys know who this is? Any guesses? It's Michael Jordan, yeah. Michael Jordan. Known as the greatest basketball player of all time. This man is so famous, his shadow is recognized all around the world, okay? This, <laughs> right? People recognize his shadow without even seeing his face. So what can we learn about his story? What made him great? Uh, he had a certain kind of drive, a certain kind of mindset, okay? He's had this kind of mindset. Now... Before I get into the, the kind of the material and the book that I, I kind of am referencing, um, I've been telling everyone about this. It, it's called, it's called tada, Mindset, okay? <laughs> um, it's written by Carol Dweck, who is a PhD at Stanford University. And um, so basically what happens is she and her colleagues, they, they do this experiment. It's a huge groundbreaking study a lot of like you know self-help books and and business gurus or whatever they'll they'll reference this and they'll call it grit right your your grittiness but anyway what what they found or what they did was they they had two experimental groups of students they were like elementary school age students and so you know when you set up an experiment uh, you usually have you know a, a specific variable you're testing for right and so they had these two groups and they're randomized you guys know this right yeah experimental design right um, they were randomized so that whatever differences that they found in the results could be only attributed to the thing that they're testing for, right? Just because of the randomization. So they randomized it. They put the two groups, um, in, they put them into two groups, and they, the only different thing that they did, okay, the only difference between the two was how they praised them, okay? So the group A, we'll call them the fixed mindset group, they told them, you're smart. Okay, group B, same everything, same grade, uh, same kind of students. They said, you work hard. Okay, we'll call them the growth mindset. Fixed mindset, you're smart. Growth mindset, you work hard. All right, so they gave them a series of tests, three tests. First test was, you know, fairly simple. It was like a baseline. You know, you guys know baseline tests, right? You have a pretest to kind of, you know, go back to compare against. And so they gave test one, which is a baseline test, fairly easy. Everyone kind of just did it and got, you know. Oh, sorry. I 
Huh? Okay, okay. That's great. <laughs> it's good. I'm glad you know. So anyway, uh, test two is like, was like really hard. It was almost impossible for them. Now, what they found was that the um, fixed mindset people, you're smart people, they worked at it for a much shorter time and they didn't enjoy it. Okay. Now, the growth mindset, the you work hard students, they worked at it for much longer and what they found was that they actually enjoyed it. Okay, they actually enjoyed taking the test, like with smiles, like, oh, this is a challenge, I'm having fun, whereas the other one's like, I hate this, you know? Um, okay, so, so that's cool. We know that there's a difference between how they approach things. But, but here's the kicker. They gave them a third test, and it was actually easier than the first test. Okay, it was easier than the first test. Fixed group, they actually did worse than their first results. They did even worse. Why? Because they felt defeated. They accepted that they weren't smart. Okay? Growth mindset people, they actually did better than the first time. Why? Because they kept working at it, and while they were having fun and doing it for longer, they were actually improving the whole time. Okay? So, um, fixed mindset, growth mindset. And obviously, you know, we're, we're kind of, uh, you know, Push to be like growth mindset people. That's kind of the whole point of this book and also like all the research that goes into it. So how did I first come across this? Well, um, a couple years ago, I was studying to get my teaching certification and um, I guess teachers these days kind of come across this research. And as for, as for teachers, right, we're, we're encouraged when we give praise to students, like we're not, we shouldn't tell them like, good job, you're smart. Because then suddenly there's a, a, a truth about their identity, in quotes, that they have to challenge. Like, oh, I have to show that I'm smart. And so every time that they mess up, it's like, oh, they're just being defeated in their identity. Whereas if you tell them, oh, great job, you work hard, they are no longer thinking about their identity as you know their smartness. They're just thinking like, oh, um, there's, an, there's something called effort, and that is a good thing because you don't know how smart you are necessarily, but it, it, this effort will get you further, okay? Um, so, so again, in my studies, I, I came across this, and I was like, okay, practically, that's it. You just tell them, you know, don't tell them um, you're smart, but tell them you work hard. But I actually went and bought this book, and I read it, and there's just countless examples of how this applies in all areas of life, like parenting, business, school, relationships, Okay, so I highly recommend it if you can ever, you know, if you can pick up a copy of this book or maybe you can borrow it from me. Um, I highly recommend it. It, it, it. I think it can be life-changing for, for a lot of people. So I've been telling everyone about this book, right, over the last, like, over a year. Everyone and their mamas, you know. You got to read this book, man. <laughs> um, so there's a, actually a lot of other implications about the growth and fixed mindset, okay? Okay. Uh, you guys can pay me later for all this like information. It's almost like a free seminar. <laughs> seminar, seminar. Um, okay, so there are other uh, implications, right? So for, for example, do you guys know about attribution uh, bias? Any psychology? Anyone study psychology? Take at least one course in psych? No? No? Attribution error, right? There, there's something called fundamut fun fundamental attribution error, F-A-E. Fundamental attribution error. What that is, is when you falsely attribute someone's uh, mistake 
to their character. Okay? Uh, for example, if, if Grace comes in late or something, I'm just like, oh, she's always late. It's because she's just a late person. She's lazy. Right? But if I do the same thing, what do I say? I don't think, oh, I'm a lazy person and I'm always late. Oh, it's because, there's a story behind it, because the bus was late and therefore um, it, it kind of threw me off and I was hungry and I had to stop by GS25 and it was the only meal I had eaten today. You know, So, so we're, we're very easy uh, about showing grace to ourselves, but we're reluctant to show it to others. And that's called fundam- fundamental attribution error. Part of attribution error. Okay, Attribution bias. So I explain that because uh, the fixed mindset people tend to have more, actually way more fundamental attribution error as opposed to people with the growth mindset. Why? Because the growth mindset people, right, they are able to see themselves a lot more accurately because they see the goal and what is good and what they're aiming for, but they also see their shortcomings and say, oh, this is where I err, and so I have to fix it. They don't say like, uh, oh, this is what I am, and therefore every time I'm proven wrong, I'm like, you know, um, proven wrong. As opposed to the fixed mindset people, that's what they believe. They believe that, obviously these are not things that they say in their heads, but this is like kind of what's in their hearts. Like, oh, um, every time I make a mistake, it's just showing everybody that I'm a failure. Okay? And proving them. So the fixed mindset people t- tend to have this tendency to to want to prove themselves, and they don't want to show their weaknesses. Whereas growth mindset people are not afraid of failures, and they'll continue to grow through them. Okay? Uh, another example, another implication is through, about depression. Okay? Uh, there's a higher correlation of depression among those with the fixed mindset. And it makes sense if you think about it, because, um, well, if you believe that you are fixed in your depression, I mean, that's a pretty depressing thought, right? <laughs> it's like oh, I can't break out of this because I'm stuck with this because this is a part of who I am, right? That's kind of the inner workings of your thoughts uh, as a fixed mindset person if you have depression. Um, Now, what they found was that someone with a growth mindset, they can go through depression too, but what they find is that they actually do their part to make sure they get out of it. So they had a student that was coming in for counseling and they're like, oh, um, and the person like kind of knew, like, oh, I'm, I'm depressed. And, and they're like, okay, so what are you doing about it? It's like, oh, I'm trying to get out of class, or I'm trying to get to class. I'm trying to wake up, um, you know, take a shower, you know, make sure I do something every day. And they're like, okay, great. You don't sound like you have depression. But, you know, they're reporting that they feel depression. But what, basically, that goes to show that someone with a growth mindset can actually break out of depression, or is more likely to break out of depression, simply because of their belief about it. Okay? Um... So there's this kind of misconception, right, that we plateau in life. You guys feel like that at all? Like when you hit like 30, my age, (laughs) that that life just kind of coasts from there until you're like 80 and then you retire, right? I think most young people kind of think that way. Uh, But actually what I'm finding, all right, now I'm even getting a little bit um, graphic here or whatever, but, you know, I feel like, you know, you don't just go through puberty once and then, like, you're an adult, and then you just turn old. I feel like, I feel like you're constantly growing. There's, like, second, third, fourth puberty, I feel like. No? Can, can my 30s testify? <laughs> like, you know, what are the symptoms of puberty? You, 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 your voice changes, your body changes, you grow hair in weird places. I feel like I'm still discovering hair in weird places that I didn't know it, it could grow. Okay, I'm talking too much. I got to stop. All right. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we're constantly changing. Okay, we're constantly changing in the physical, in our emotions, in our mindsets, in our maturity, in our spirits. We're constantly changing. All right. So um, now, clearly, right? I, I, obviously, I kind of just glossed over this whole mindset thing. And um, clearly, we are, we are encouraged to have the growth mindset. We want to have the growth mindset. We want to believe. Because what it is, is essentially, is this central belief. When, it boi- when you boil it down, the mindset difference is essentially their faith or their belief about themselves. Do people change? If you don't, then all life is for you. If you're a fixed mindset person, all life is for you is a series of proving to others how worthy you are and making sure nobody sees your lack of worth. Okay. Whereas if you're in a growth mindset, you see life as a journey. And so whatever mistakes you make are just dips and they're getting you to your next level. Okay. And it doesn't devastate you. So how do I frame this within the context of Christianity? Doesn't this sound like just self-help, like religion? Try your best. You'll make it into heaven. Just try harder. Have the right mindset and you can achieve anything. Right? No. Um, Obviously, that's not what I'm saying. I believe that uh, salvation comes only by grace through faith. Right? That is the only way we can possibly have a right relationship with God uh, and to make it to heaven. Now, there are, there's the justification aspect of salvation, and in which case it's true. We cannot do anything about it. But there's a sanctification process of salvation in which we are becoming more and more like Jesus, more and more uh, perfect, more and more like the way God wants us to be. And in that process, I believe this mindset can actually help. Okay? And how the Bible would call it, I think, is not growth mindset, in quotes. What the Bible would call it is humility. Okay? Think about it. Growth mindset is merely an expression or a manifestation of humility. Okay, so God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. The way I see it, it's this growth mindset that says, oh, I'm not perfect, right? That's the gospel. I'm not perfect. I'm saved with, through faith, but there's this process for me to get better and more and more like Christ, and I'm going to fail along the way, but God is leading me and I'm growing in it. That's humility, okay? Uh, James 4, verse 6, is where it also says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. But a few verses later, it says, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Okay? So I think that this growth mindset is merely an expression of that God showing grace. Now, I'm not saying that God doesn't work supernaturally also. God definitely works supernaturally. But I think that in the way that God designed life to be, he's merely showing that, um, or this is merely a playing out of that truth that uh, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Okay, so um, one of the things about the research is that what you find is that the older you get, oh, this isn't from the research, but this is kind of a general thing. The older you get, the harder it is to be humble. Wouldn't you guys agree? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, this is why, like, you know, older people tend to not listen to younger people, generally speaking, okay? Um, 
Because that'd be kind of weird if, like, your parents were like, please tell me what to do, you know? Usually it's the other way around, if anything. Um, But let's think about what a child is, okay? Why are children able to learn fast? Because that's that's what they do, right? Children understand innately that they have a lot to learn. And so they humble themselves and say, oh, um, I love a challenge. A child in his natural state will not be like in a fixed mindset and think, oh, I have to prove myself and if I make a mistake, then that's it. No, a child in his natural state will say, oh, uh, I have to learn this. Okay? So what they did, another little anecdote from the book is that they gave these kids like puzzles. And, you know, they had like different levels. And so what they did was they gave these kids puzzles and they're like, okay, they gave them a choice. Do you want to try a harder puzzle? And they're like, yeah, I don't want to do the same puzzle over and over again, knowing or maybe not even knowing that they could fail and make a fool of themselves in quotes, right? But that's what a child does. Whereas an adult, like a really old adult might not have that ability to like try something that they would fail at or that they would knowingly fail at, especially if there are other people present, okay? All right, so I want to look at some examples from the Bible, Because I could immediately think of a few examples of people with the fixed versus growth mindset. Anybody? Can you think of anybody? No? Okay. (laughs) Trying to get some crowd participation, but no. (laughs) Uh, So fixed mindset people, they're afraid of being found out. Uh, So I found two examples in Samuel. Um, Saul and David. Saul is someone with the fixed mindset, I believe. 1 Samuel 18, uh, is, it talks about Saul's jealousy of, of David. This is after uh, David had slain Goliath, and all the people are singing, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his tens of thousands. Ooh, that must hurt for Saul. Uh, what's Saul's response to this? He's thinking, like, what more can he get but the kingdom? He says that, uh, yeah, he says, what more can he get but the kingdom? Basically, he's, he's afraid. He's afraid that David's going to rise up and take from him everything. And so we know that he, he eventually starts to, to plot against David's life, and David like runs off. Um, his identity was wrapped up in how people saw him. So when people started saying these things, like Saul has slain his thousands, David his tens thousands, um, it devastated him. It devastated his identity. So you could see how someone like Saul could have had the fixed mindset instilled in him since he was young. Why? Because in chapter 9, verse 2, it says, he, has a son, he had a son, his father, uh, he had a son named Saul, an impressive young man without equal among the Israelites, a head taller than any others. A head taller than any of the others. So basically, since he was a kid, he's always been given that praise, like, oh, you're so handsome, you're so great, you're better than everyone else. Basically instilling in him that fixed mindset that like, Oh, now every time someone challenges this, I have to like rise up and show them that I'm better. And so naturally when David is, you know, there and he, and he defeats Goliath, now he really feels threatened that there's someone greater than him. They're singing songs about him that's greater than him, right? And, and he's just a boy. He hadn't done anything at that point except, well, I mean, he killed Goliath at that point. But yeah, he's still just a nobody at that point before that. In contrast... This is how the Bible describes David in 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, 
for I have rejected him, one of his brothers. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Okay? So, in a way, the way that God says that, it's kind of a euphemism for, he's not that impressive. Right? He said, don't, don't look at his appearance. I'm looking at the heart. Is a euphemism for, like, don't, don't look at his appearance. Just, yeah, you're not going to be impressed when you see him. Okay? Although the Bible does mention him as being handsome. He had, like, ruddy features. But in comparison to his brothers, apparently, he was not that impressive. You wouldn't, be, you wouldn't pick him out if, if you just went to, to pick an anointed person, right? Um, so we see the difference here. Second Samuel 12, Nathan rebukes David. Okay, this is after David had um, killed Uriah and um, slept with his wife Bathsheba. And Nathan goes up to David and tells, tells him this, this parable, basically calling him out. In the parable, he's saying, oh, this person um, went and like, took something from someone else. I'm, I'm paraphrasing, okay? Um, and then David is like, oh, this person is going to pay. And Nathan just straight out calls him out and says, that person is you. And what does he say? Immediately he repents. Immediately he repents. That's the difference. Saul was someone who was so afraid, he went trying to kill this person. David, as soon as he was confronted of his sin... He repents. That's the difference. That's the difference we see biblically versus a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. Okay? So, um, I guess if there's like points to this, sorry, I'm I'm a little bit disorganized today, uh, but uh, if there's like a sermon point, it would be like humility says we can change. Humility says we can change. Just as in the growth mindset, we recognize that we can and we do change, okay? So uh, as an example, I used to listen to a lot of 90s hip-hop when I was growing up. And, you know, hip-hop back in the day was, was very, uh, it's like gangster rap and, and all about the hood. And <laughs> you guys know, that right now it's like all tight jeans and like Kanye, like <laughs> auto-tune, you know? But back then it was like raw and gritty, like talking about like, you know, gangs and I'm not glorifying this, but you know, back then you know, as a kid, I was like, yeah, this is, oh, you know, <laughs> keeping it real. You guys, do you guys ever hear that phrase, keeping it real? Yeah, anybody? <laughs> keeping it real is basically, <laughs> um, it's, it, it's basically saying you don't change in a way. So, so I used to judge a rapper based on how real they kept it. Like, did, like DMX, I love DMX. DMX was this like really raw, gritty, like street rapper. And he, I mean, don't listen to him. Please don't listen to him. It's, it's like very bad for your spirit. Um, but then like when you listen to him, you're like, oh yeah, this guy is real. He keeps it real. He's like from the streets and he stayed street all the way through his, you know. But then you see as a, as a contrast, okay, I'm going to use some silly examples, but like Britney Spears or, or Christina Aguilera, okay? They started their careers, you know, singing, you know, these nice songs and then, and then, you know, I'm a genie in a bottle, blah, 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 whatever. You guys know that song? No? Okay. And then, like, later she goes off and into her, like, uh, you know, scandalous phase, you know? I, I feel like all those, like, pop singers, they go through that. They start off all innocent and then they go through that, like, scandalous and, and you're like, oh my gosh, what happened, right? 
It's like, sell out. That's how I used to judge them. I was like, sell out. There's such a sell out, you know? <laughs> Kanye West, prime example. Okay, he, do you guys remember Kanye when he first came out? Like, his first single, I think, was Through the Wire. Talk, he's basically testifying about Jesus in his life. And then he goes off and, and, and writes a song called Jesus Walks. You guys remember that song? Jesus walks with me do, 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 to the hustlers, killers, murderers, drug dealers, even the strippers. Jesus died for them. Right? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. He used to sing about Jesus on the radio. Now, now look at him. He's like super gone off the wall. I don't know what, what he's doing. Um, but yeah, prime example, someone who sold out. I'm like, oh man, he did not keep it real at all. Okay. Well, we know people change. People are people, they change. I change too. Okay. As much as I like this whole keeping it real thing, let's be real. I, I, I didn't keep it real. I, I, I changed. I change all the time. We all change to some degree. That's the truth. So, you know, it's easy when we're young to be like idealists and sit there and judge and say like, you know, keep it real. But, you know, now I'm like 31 now, 31. I'm 30, 32. No, I turn 32 soon, next week. Next week? An international age. Um, but... Yeah, it's, it's, it's easier to sit there and judge. And, and, but, you know, I'm like here now. I'm like 32. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not the same. I, I know I'm not the same. I, I didn't keep anything real. I'm just, <laughs> you know, give it time and, and you'll either be in delusion or you'll be humbled. Okay? The Bible says only one thing doesn't change. What's that? God. God is the only thing that doesn't change. Uh, Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Numbers twenty three nineteen. God is not human that he should lie, not a human being that he should change his mind. James one seventeen. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. Okay, people change. We change our minds all the time. We we have to change. Okay, because if we stay in our sin, that that's not that's not a good thing. Okay, we have to change. Bible also talks about wisdom. <clears throat> Isn't wisdom? Some expression of change, don't you think? Why does, why does Proverbs tell us to get wisdom? It's like, get wisdom at all costs. Get wisdom. What does that mean? It, that implies that you change. Okay? It, 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 most of Proverbs, it's like, there's this dichotomy between the wise person and the foolish person. It's like, don't be the foolish person, be the wise person. That means, wherever you are in your life, in whatever aspect of your life, change what needs to be changed so that you will be a wise person. Okay, um, so for better or worse, I think the Bible assumes that people change. Now, um, this is kind of, I'm just going to talk about this now, but I feel like we can apply this to prophetic gifts. Okay, um, this is just kind of a revelation I had this week, um, but I think it's been stewing in my mind too. But I, I used to always think that uh, spiritual gifts were fixed. Like you either had it or you didn't. Why? Because we're often told, like, oh, it's a gift. Like, you either have it or you don't. Right? You guys ever hear this? Now, I think that might be true. I'm not saying that I know for sure, but I, I don't... Like, if I, when I looked at the Bible, I'm like, okay, I could see that, but I also see this. Let me show you what I find. It's true that we're all gifted in different ways. The, uh, the Bible talks about us having many gifts, one spirit, one body, many different parts. Okay? Uh, but... Paul, 
in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, and chapter 14, verse 1, what does he say? He says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. That's 1231. 14.1, it says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Huh, why would Paul tell us to desire something if it was fixed and we could never get it? You guys ever think about that? He's telling us to desire prophecy. Isn't that interesting? Luke 11, 11 to 13, it says, Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Holy Spirit is the one who gives our spiritual gifts. So yeah, I think, I think that's inclusive of spiritual gifts. When we ask, he will give. Okay? Now, if you ask and you just want to like use prophecy so, so that you can like play the stocks right and get like really super rich, I don't think God's going to give it to you. <laughs> uh, but if you have a true desire to want to build the body of Christ and you really want to practice it in love, then yeah, I think God will give it to you when you ask. Now, of course, some are gifted in that sense, like gifted. They were just giving it to them. Or they were just given it because God is a good father and he just gives sometimes. So, um, yeah, I think that humility says that we can change and that includes, that's inclusive of prophetic gifts. Um, another kind of point I want to make is that humility is a starting point for repentance. Okay, humility is the starting point for repentance. So if you're taking notes, that could be the, the next like sub-point. So I've mentioned this before, but the word repentance uh, in the Greek literally means to change one's mind. Okay, so I think it fits very well with what we're talking about here. The word used for repentance in the Greek is metanoeo. Everyone say metanoeo. I love pulling those preacher tricks. (laughs) Metanoeo. Okay, meta, meta, right, where we get words like metaphysics, metacognition, Meta, what else? What are, metamorphosis, yeah. Um, it means with, after, or behind. So like beyond, okay? Meta, it's, it's a prefix. Noeo means to understand, perceive, or consider, or think, or to rethink. So in a sense, metanoeo, or repentance, means to change your mind, or to rethink things, or to renew your mind, okay? This sounds very familiar. It's like changing your mind from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset almost, I'm not saying that that's exactly that, but I think it's an application of that. Um, In Matthew 18, verse 3, Jesus says, and he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. I'll read that again. It says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Remember earlier how I described um, how the kids were doing the tests you know, the ones that didn't have that fixed mindset put on them, the ones that had the growth mindset, the natural kind of state of a child is, oh yeah, let me get better because I have to get better. I have to grow. I have to learn. I think in a way, Jesus is telling us to be like a child, ready to change yourself, ready to understand your low position and say, oh, I have to get something. I have to gain knowledge. I have to gain understanding. I have to gain wisdom. I have to repent. See, children, they don't think about their titles and positions. 
They just innately know that they have to learn. They don't think about their pride. Children are humble, and therefore they experience the grace needed to grow and learn. Okay, they just naturally get that grace as children. Uh, H&D, as an example. Okay, so um, at New Philly, the church that we're uh, under, um, H&D was a, uh, was a big part of our ministry, healing and deliverance. So we've seen a lot of people set free from their bondages. And um, yeah, it's by the power of God that chains are broken and prison doors are open. Um, but if that person believes that they're stuck forever, they won't ever leave. You see how this mindset kind of plays out here too? They need to have a hope that there's a future for them. So I'll kind of share my story. Um, so, you know, as, as, a, as a guy, as a, as a kid growing up in America in the 90s, when the internet just kind of started coming out, <laughs> you guys all grew up with internet. I didn't grow up with internet. I distinctly remember getting internet, AOL, my, my seventh grade uh, year, I was like, all my friends were getting their, their internet connections. I was like, I want, it, I want internet. And so we got internet, and it was awesome. You, do you guys remember that? You had to sign, you had to sign in with, the, with your phone, with your telephone. Do you guys even use telephones anymore? <laughs> and then it made this crazy sound like, and then if someone called you while you were surfing the internet, it's like suddenly it just shut off and you're like no especially if you're downloading like from Napster remember Napster (laughs) you download a song and it would be at 99% and then someone calls you and you're like no (laughs) oh man anyway um, yeah internet had just come out and they had these things called chat rooms and I remember um, these random people just started emailing me and sending me all this stuff and that's how I got into pornography I had no desire to get into it. I had no idea about it. Um, but then it was so intriguing to me that it just hooked me from then on. And I was like, I don't know, maybe like 11 or 12. I had, I had no idea what happened to me. It just like consumed me, right? And so uh, my curiosity got the better of me and I just kept exploring and I kept exploring. And like I had gotten into like, I guess because of watching these things, it, it, it taught me about like things that I had no, no idea about, like masturbation, for example. I had no idea what that was, but I did it, and I was like, oh, that's what just happened. Okay, I, I just like learned in retrospect. But yeah, I was addicted to that for more than half my life up until a few years ago when I came to Korea. But I always knew it was wrong, right? You're, you're not supposed to do that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I always, like, had brothers that I would, like, confess to and, and try to, like, you know, we pray for each other. But, you know, I just had this idea that was stuck in my head, like, oh, I'm going to have to live with this addiction or sin pattern or whatever for the rest of my life. Because I've never, I've always hear, I've always heard stories about how people still struggle with it into their marriage or, like, they just never, ever break free from it. And I believed that. I really believed it. I, I wanted to try so hard. I tried really hard. Really, really hard. I fasted. I prayed. But, you know, at most, I could go like a couple months without looking at pornography and, and masturbating and things like that. And so I was like, I had that mindset. But then I came to Korea in 2013. 
Uh, I went on my first missions trip with New Philly, and as part of the training, we had to do this healing and deliverance where we would kind of go through this questionnaire and, and kind of confess our sins and say, okay, these are the things that I struggle with, and we're just going to repent. Now, some people have these crazy stories where they're like, they, they demonically manifest or like, you know, they'll, they'll sit through it for hours and like pour out everything that they've ever done, and like they come out and they're feeling like all free, like all this weight is like come off of them. Now, for me, I didn't experience any of that. I just kind of confessed. I told Pastor Jam, like, oh, these are the things I struggle with. And he just prayed for me. You know, Pastor Jam in his very, like, chill manner. It's like, all right, Sam, we're going to pray for you. You know, <laughs> laid hands on me and just prayed. And I received it in faith. It was a miracle. It was literally a miracle because up until that point, it was more than half my life. More than half my life, I struggled with this addiction. But since 2013, I had not ever looked at pornography. I never went and looked at pornography. Now, if I'm honest, I, I have struggled. I mean, in my mind, I struggle with lust every so often. But like, I have to like remind myself, like, no, I, I, I have control over that. There's self-control. Yeah, I've fallen into masturbation. I have. I'm just being very frank with you. But I know that there's a real difference between being enslaved by addiction and having the freedom to be free from that. There's a real difference. Okay? Now, I testify that it is by God's grace alone because I've tried for more than half my life to break that off. I just could not do it by my own strength. It was by God's grace. But what happened was, in repenting, I was given a new mind. I was given a mindset that said, look, you can change. You can literally change something that you thought was impossible to change. Because all my life I've been told that there's this biological desire that just won't go away. But that's a lie. That was a straight up lie. So, all this leads to the gospel, right? It's not about trying harder. Yeah, the growth mindset will help you in life. And it will, if you, you know, apply it to your life, it will help you in, in a lot of different ways. But I believe it's an expression or a manifestation of the biblical truth of humility. Okay? We need humility to change and grow in a practical sense. But we also need humility to come to repentance. Because unless we are humble enough to admit that we need a Savior, unless we are humble enough to admit that we are fallen, we will never come to that point where we say, I need to change my mind. I need to change. I want to change. I can change. So on the other extreme, people will say, I can't change, right? People don't change. Like, I've seen enough in my life now. I've heard this so many times. I've seen enough in my life now. People don't change. You know? <laughs> like super pessimistic people. Um, but that's the fixed mindset. Keep it real. I won't change. People don't change. You know, when people say that, honestly, what, you know what they're saying? Like, I'm God. Because who, who's the only one that doesn't change? God. When they say, I don't change, I keep it real. Oh yeah, you that real? You God? Right? No. People change. People change. Psalm 25, verse 8 through 11, it says, Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in his ways. Verse 9, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. He teaches them his way. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. God will teach 
us his ways if we humble ourselves. And the gospel is such a humbling thing because it causes us to understand that we can't save ourselves, but that we need a savior. And when we are humble enough to accept this truth, everything changes. We open up ourselves to receive grace. Yes, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. But I think if you have that mindset, of that fixed mindset, ultimately what that is doing is it's blocking that grace. Because your faith is not where it should be to receive that grace. Okay? Now, a growth mindset says, I don't know what I can access. I don't know what can be done through this, but I believe I can change and make things better. There's room for hope that something can be better. There's room for hope that something can change. The way you are now, it doesn't have to be that way forever. Whatever things that you've struggled with, whatever addictions that you've had, that you still have, whatever thought processes and and mindsets that you have and still carry with you can and will be changed if you believe that God is able to do it. See, that's the humility that we need to come before God. And He will raise you up. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble.